0: Okay, I was elated <laughs> when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. And so much because, you know, as the songstress sang tonight, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to lead the God I love. And it's not something that, that we can boast about. I know I'm not alone in that. But it's just that he has such a great plan for each and every one of us. I'm excited uh, to get another opportunity to share the word of God. Excited to know that uh, uh, he's, he's showing me in so many ways, ways that I can't explain, because it's truly a work of the Spirit, what he has for us individually and as a body. And I just, I, I just can't contain it. And I just pray that uh, what he does tonight will be a reflection on the outside of what he's doing on the inside. He's doing great things, folks. So, Heavenly Father, we just give uh, praise and honor and glory to your name tonight, Father. And I thank you for each and every one of my sisters and brothers who had a heart to come out tonight and see how you were going to use this vessel. So I thank you for all that you're doing, all that you've done, and all that you're going to do in each and every one of our lives. And I pray for, for my sisters and brothers because I know that, there's so many that are hurting, Father. And as we dig into your word tonight, as always, I pray that it would be rightly divided and that uh, hearts, eyes, and ears will be open to receive what you have for us. So we thank you, Lord, for, for your wonderful blessings. And we seek you, we seek your face daily, and that you would enlarge our hearts and cause us to want more of you. So we give you honor and glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, tonight, uh, we're going to dig into John chapter 15. Uh, Lord willing, uh, verses one through seventeen, John fifteen, one through seventeen. And uh, as I was listening and 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 making an effort to be obedient, uh, He put on my heart this this message and and the reason for that uh, as as the Holy Spirit revealed to me, is because we hear it, we talk it, but we don't necessarily live it. And that's where he wants us. John 15, 1 through 17. And again, it's, it's one of those kind of things where when I get to talk to each and every one of you, how you doing? Praise the Lord, he's doing wonderful things, but I know for a fact that There's a lot of hurt, even in this room tonight, there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of people, several of us, myself included, who are hurting in some way. Some are hurting physically, some are hurting mentally, some their hearts have been broken, and some are are, are just, they're not sure. They're not sure they feel that God is far away from them. And tonight, when we go into this, I'm going to try my best to convince you and me that he's not. That he's not. He's, he's near. He's always near. And, uh, and convince us that his promises are yea and amen. And he cannot lie. He can't. He can't. So if he says it is, it is. If he said it isn't, it isn't. So let's dig in. Verse 1 I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. And with this ascended metaphor of the vine and branches, Jesus wants to teach the basis of Christian living. Christian living, not Christian reading, not Christian hearing, not Christian pretending, Christian living. He wants to see the reflection of what's going on inside. And our hearts can betray us because we can say all is well. It is well with our soul, knowing full well that it isn't. And as I look around tonight, even here, even the little that I know about individuals, all the things that are going on in their lives now, and how do we get to them? How do we reach them? How do we get to pray with them? How do we get them to pray with us? One solution, prayer combined with fellowship. We pray for them. We spend time with them. We get to know them. And what I found uh, over the years is that, just like our relationship with Jesus is personal, it's one-on-one, that's how you get to know your sister and brother in Christ. It's very difficult to have a one-on-one conversation when there's that third party involved. And so that applies to our relationship with Jesus Christ, and that reply, should rep, uh, apply to our relationship with our sisters and brothers. Jesus uses this imagery of the farming life at the time, which was vine and vine crops. Um, in the Old Testament, the vine is usually used commonly as a symbol for Israel. But in this context, tonight, for tonight, we're talking about our attachment to the vine. You are that branch. He is that vine in the attachments. And when you think about it, visually, the vision is, can that branch survive without that vine? No. No. And I think of uh, something else. Uh, we're all adults here, but I think about the umbilical cord. We were all attached to that at one time. I think about that, the nutrients, the things that come through. But God has given us something else. He's given us those spiritual nutrients through that vine. And without that, we are prone to wander. And that proni- that wandering never leads to anything good. It never Leads to anything good. And he has a plan. He has a plan. He wants to just continue to draw us closer and closer to him. And when we cut ourselves off or or, or limit the amount that's coming in, then we're doomed. And, and you're not defeated. You're not defeated. And, and as I told you guys last time I got to do this, there's no such thing as something or someone who's useless. God always has a purpose. And the other thing I want to convince you guys is he's in everything, everything. Wow, the, the enemy is really attacking me because things aren't going the way they should because I'm not happy. We're going to talk about this tonight. We're going to talk about what it means to be happy. We're going to talk about what it means to experience true joy, the joy of our Lord and Savior. Um, and the, the father as a vine dresser or caretaker of these vines. That's what we're going to see. Every br- verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And I know we may not have a lot of farmers in the room or, or agriculturists who can, apply, who can, who can uh, relate to this concept. But I like to think that all of us can relate to this in some kind of way. You know, uh, a a supply chain and and what that really means and what happens when that supply chain is cut off. The vine has branches that bear fruit and branches that do not bear fruit. The branches that bear fruit are genuine believers. These are people who genuinely, those among us who genuinely believed, And there's a difference. The word genuine takes on a totally different meaning. It's not just believers because there are some people, do you believe in Jesus? Well, sort of. If it's not a definite yes, it's a definite no. You must believe in Jesus Christ. You must. The imagery reflects all believers down through the ages. It doesn't change. This wasn't a concept that was for 2,000 years ago. This is here and this is now. This is us today. This moment as we speak. Knowing that the God that we serve controls every breath every breath. There's someone now who would love to be able to sit there and just take breathing for granted. We do. We do. We take sight, smell, taste, touch. We take all those things for granted. Just by the grace of God, those people that don't have those senses could be us. Never take it for granted. Uh, The imagery reflects all believers down through the ages that the branches that do not bear fruit are those who profess to believe But the lack of fruit indicates genuine salvation has never taken place. Don't be deceived in in thinking that uh, because this man or this woman attends church, this man or this woman, quote, quote, scripture, this man or this woman reads the Bible. They must be a Christian. We're going to talk about that as well. We're going to talk about uh, how Jesus related to us before. He didn't call us Christians. Our followers of Christ are Christians until the book of Acts. That was the first time that we were referred to as Christians. And prior to that, it was, I, you will be my disciples. And we're going to talk about what that means as well. Uh, the, father, uh, the, the image of non fruit branches being burned pictures judgment and eternal rejection. You can't know what it means to be separate from God. Only Jesus knows that. But the only thing that I can, I can sort of give you a, 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 a sense of is someone that you love, someone that you care for deeply, someone who cares for you, when circumstances takes them away. And I don't want to sound morbid, but it's, it's a reality of life. We've all lost someone that we love. Everybody in this room, I'm sure, has lost someone that they love. How it hurts that's separation now. That's the only separation. Because of our, our finite minds, that's the only thing that we can relate to now. And that's why when we hear Jesus going to the cross, uh, God is, uh, Father, is there any other way you can go about this? Uh, no, there's the only way. So that's it, that's the way it is with the people that we love. When he takes them away or causes some type of separation, and it may not necessarily be death. It could be just a friend moving away or you moving away and that loss, that heartfelt thing there how we can relate to that and the father gets rid of dead wood so that living fruit bearing branches may be sharply distinguished from the apostate christians i want to make a, a definite sharp contrast between those that love me and those that do not and that's what he does that's what he does And those who never genuinely believed and will be taken away in judgment, the transform of life as Christ has never penetrated their hearts. It might be some involvement in their lives. They might be doing some of the right things. They may be sitting in the, in the, in the congregation absorbing what the pastor or the teacher is saying through osmosis, but it doesn't reach the heart. What I'm learning through the Holy Spirit, is teaching me the difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. Huge, folks. There's a vast gap between the two. And uh, we're going to talk about that before the evening's over, Lord willing. God removes all things in believers' life that would hinder fruit-bearing. He chastises to cut away sin and hindrance that would drain spiritual life, just as the farmer removes anything on the branches that could keep them from bearing maximum fruit. And that's what he does. But why would a God punish me? He's not punishing you. He's not punishing you. He knows what's best for you. He knows what's best for me. And that's what he gives us. And he keeps working in our lives until the very end. He never stops. Tirelessly. Reckless abandon. He just keeps on pouring it out. I want, I want to... I want to transform you. I want to mold you. I want to mend you. I want to make you into the man or woman that I can take advantage of your maximum potential. And it's not him, but he wants you to worship to me. He wants you to pray with our brother. He wants you to minister to our sister. That's what he wants. He wants to maximize that vessel. He wants to use us up. And we should be thankful. We should be glorious. Use me to... I'm exhausted, Lord. Use me. In order to do that, we have to have our priorities straight. How's your uh, time of worship? Well, I really don't have a whole lot of time. I got so many things going on. How many hours a day do I give you? 24. That's what I give everybody. I'd like to think that you can prioritize where you can spend some time with me. You can spend some time communicating with me. That's what he wants. I just want to encourage you guys. And uh, he, he removed it. He will, he will definitely bring anything, uh, keep it, that will keep you from bearing maximum fruit. He wants maximum fruit. Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Uh, years and years and years ago... Uh, when I got a chance, when I, I took the, the chance to step away, and then thought that, okay, I, I can't return until I clean up my act. I tried for years, I couldn't. And then I just said, Lord, here I am. Here I am. And at that time, I, I remember the song, All to Jesus I Surrender. Uh, some of you know that if you really think about the words, think about it. Are you sure? Are you sure? Because I personally don't know anybody who surrender all. You, know, you guys say, "Well, you know me," and I surrender all. I'm, I'm thinking, no, no, it's a challenge, guys. I, you know, and just think about it. What am I holding on to? What are you holding on to that doesn't edify the Lord? What are we doing? Why are we holding on to this this baggage? Why are we, why are we uh, walking around with this dead body attached to us? Why? It doesn't make any sense. Verse 4. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. The word abide means to, to remain or, or stay around. The remaining is evidence that has taken place and not vice versa. It, you're staying there. I'm dedicated. I'm, I'm committed to the cause. I'm sold out, whatever way you want to describe it. All those things, and that's what he's looking for. The fruit of evidence of salvation is continuing his service to him. It's not, today I am, tomorrow I'm not. Okay, I'm a visible, vi- visual, vi- visible Christian on Tuesday, but on Wednesday I think i got to go into my secret agent mode because... I want to hang with a different crowd of folks. It's not about that. It's continuation in what he's doing in your life and mine. And in his teaching, uh, the abiding believer is the only legitimate believer. Only le- there is no on and off. There is no on and off switch. You're either in or you're not. And that abiding believer, that continuum believer, is what he's looking for. That's what he wants from us. And and when I think of what that really means, I just think about all the people around us that are hurting, and we don't know it. Why don't we know it? Because we don't want to get in anybody's business, and the person that is hurting may be too prideful to share with us. So it's a standoff. So nothing happens. So it's a stalemate. We need to pray for boldness. Bold as lions. You know, and it's not a matter of trying to get to know somebody. It's a a matter of loving and caring for us. And as we go through this, these 17 verses, Jesus talked, he mentioned the word love or loved nine times. Typically throughout the word you will hear where he really repeats what he wants us to know. Sometimes up to three times, in a lot of cases up to three times. But here He talked about love and loved nine times. There's a reason for that. He's trying to get a message through. The the abiding believer is the only legitimate Christian abiding and believing, actually addressing the same issue of genuine salvation. Genuine, sincere, without wax. You're not putting on a front. You're not pretending to be something that you're not. You are genuine. You're the real deal. That's what he wants. He wants you to be bold and, and able, willing, uh, ready to preach and teach his word at any time. There's no fear. There's no giants in the lands that he sends us through. That's just our conception, a misconception. He's cleared the way for us. He's made a way. So if we trust in his word we trust in his will, we trust in his way, then we're going to carry it out. Who do we fear? I, it, again, we say we believe the word of God. Okay, it says God has not given us a spirit of fear. You buying it? Or no? What are you afraid of? Well, these guys are pretty tough. I, I, I read uh, or saw... Um, What's that called? Veggie tales. And it says that God is bigger than the boogeyman or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, so, so again, it's, it's simplistic, but he's bigger than anything that we can face. Let's trust him. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Everything, his hand is in it. Anything, his hand is in it. Everyone, his hand is in it. Without him, we can do nothing. We are nothing. We can be nothing. You're not self-made. It's all him. Well, I worked long and hard to get this. In order to do that, you had to stay healthy. Who's controlling your health? You? Well, sure I do. I take my vitamins. I drink lots of water. Hogwash. No. No. Not about that. He sustains you. He gives you that. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. And this is an image uh, of destruction. But why would a loving God be uh, tied in with destruction? Because I love you. I know what's best. I know that if you keep going down this path, you're going to destroy yourself. So I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to give you an opportunity to decide, to, to choose to day who you will serve. And sometimes we do the right things. Sometimes we don't. And that's just one of the, the faults of being wrapped in flesh. Again, no one's immune. We're all subjected to that. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. We have to be careful with that one, folks, because some of us have this conception of, I prayed for it. Why didn't God answer? And that's that's common among a lot of us. First of all, when we pray for stuff and things, we only expect one answer. I'm praying for this because I want it. I'm not praying for this so you can say no to me. I'm not praying for this so you can say wait. So when you say wait or no, you didn't answer my, my prayer. God, I, I have something or someone that I really desire, someone that I really want to be close to, something I really want to own and cherish, son, daughter, that may not be in your best interest, but I really want it, Lord. Sometimes he will say no in that, and sometimes, if we're persistent, because He loves us, He'll give us desires of our heart, even though it may not be in our best interest. I love you so much. I'm going to give you a chance to prove that this is not for you. I'm going to give you a chance to prove that this person is not a person that you want a relationship with. I'm going to give them to you. I'm going to put them in your life. I'm going to let you find out. Lord, I, I, I got this, this habit of overeating okay i'll let you have at it there's a downside to that lord i I like to partake in in things that 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 give me a a a numbing sensation okay go ahead it's not good for you but because i love you i'm going to give you an opportunity to experience that so you can know for yourself lord i just i just want to be a part of this this group do you really understand what that's all about because With every group, every setting, there's an upside and there's a downside. Some of you have seen it. I want to be a part of this group, this team, and he'll give you that. He will grant the desires of your heart, and you'll end up frustrated. You'll end up being disillusioned. A loving God will do that for you. True believers obey the Lord's commands. Submitting to his word. Because of their commitment to God's word, they are devoted to his will and his way. Their prayers are fruitful, which puts God's glory on display as he answers. His glory. It's not about us. It's not about the gifts that I have to offer. And sometimes he'll suppress those so he can get the glory. Well, I think that I should be... um, This because I have these talents. I think I should be worship leader because I'm very gifted. I think I should teach the word because I have a lot of passion. And I know a lot of stuff. Yeah, you know a lot of stuff. No, just enough stuff to send you straight to hell. That's what we are. We want to use our strengths. But that's not what he wants. His word says... When you, are, when you are weak, then you are strong because you're strong in me. And this could relate to our talents. This could relate to our personality. This could relate to any aspect of our being. When we're weak, I always say this when I'm here, we've all been sick. And he healed us. We didn't heal ourselves. When it seemed like the, the, the budget was a little bit tight this month. And coincidentally, the Lord delivered. No coincidences. He knew. He knew, and He's asking you, "Do you trust me? Do you trust me to know that you know things are lean right now? Do you trust me that I would deliver, that I will always come through? Not on your time clock, but depending on the the motives of your heart." His love for you, your love for him. And he's not weighing it out. Well, he doesn't love me so much, so I'm not going to bless him. He doesn't do that. It's called agape love, unconditional. And we we can't wrap our minds around what that really means. You just can't because unconditional love. You know what that means? I know what it means. Can you do it? Well, sure. I do it all the time. Aunt, no, you don't. By by this my father is glorified that you may bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. What's a disciple? Disciples are those who accept in mind and life the teachings, heart, views, practices, life and death of Jesus the Christ. That's what a disciple is. He or she is not wishy-washy. They follow the Lord and they live it. That's it. I just want to put emphasis on the word living it, living the life of a Christian. Too often we hear about, you know, those who are doing all these wonderful things. And then if you get a chance to examine their motive, you realize that it's really all about them. I want to be seen. I want to be heard. I want to be uh, raised up. Dangerous very dangerous because he can take you. He can take those things that you consider to be gifts and he can cause them to cause you to stumble. And that's usually what happens. Be careful with that one. And, and this is these, these, uh, these followers of Jesus were not called Christians until the founding of the church at Antioch. That was in the book of Acts verses 11, 26. That's the first time that we were referred to as Christians or followers of Christ. Prior to that, we were disciples, those who emulated Christ in every way, who imitated Christ in every way by the way he lived. We heard his words. We experienced, even today, you're experiencing signs and wonders. You're experiencing miracles. Some of you don't know it. You see signs, wonders, and miracles every single day. You've heard me say this before. You want to see a miracle? Look in the mirror. How many people sitting in here tonight knew when they first began to understand what life was all about that they would be serving Christ? How many of you knew that? How many of you have went in the other direction and because of circumstances you were drawn back to him? And some of you might have been, you know, right from the beginning, at six, seven years old, you said, that's it, I'm dedicating my life to the Lord. I'm not one of those. And it's not something I'm proud of. I'm not. So I'll be the first to tell you that I've met very few, I don't, actually, now that I think about it, I don't think I've met anybody who were able to live the life of Christ since I've known them. And I don't know all of you. I, I know of you, but I don't know you. But are you able to do it today? Regardless of what was back then, are you living a life for Christ? Right here, right now, sitting here, can you say that with, with a genuine heart that you are living a life for Christ? 24, days, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Again, if you are, God bless you. Come up later and tell me your secret. As the Father loved, verse 9, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. This is not emotional or mystical. There's nothing about this defined in verse 10 as obedience. 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 That word. That's a stumbling block for us. That's part of the problem. That's why most of us can't say that we serve him all the time. That one word, obedience. I want you to go here, but I, I, I can't. I, I can't do it today. How about tomorrow? If He wanted you to do it tomorrow. He would have told you tomorrow. Can you go here? Can you do this? Well, Lord, I got a lot of things going on. Oh, geez, I didn't know that. Jeez, my bad. <laughs> I didn't know you were busy. I'm, I, geez, I should have known that. No, folks lies right from the pit of hell. Jesus set the model by his perfect obedience to his Father, which we ought to use as a pattern for our obedience to him. Obedience. Are we obedient to him? Well, sometimes. There's no such thing as that. Obedience is Obedience. You're devoted to him. You're devoted to what he's calling you to do. If, uh, verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandment and abide in his love. It's love. Love is an action word. It doesn't mean it's on and off. Love is continuous. Our dedication to Christ needs to be continuous. Our love for him needs to be unending. It's infinite. Just keeps on going. There is no beginning. There is no end. Just like he is with us. And he's saying, I want you to read my word. I want you to the fellowship. I want you to worship. I want you to do these things so that you will know my heart. And your desire would be to have a heart like mine. To love. And that's what he's calling us to do. And it, it, it troubles me when I know that. In this body, Calvary Chapel Rochester, and it's not unique, it's not rare in in any sense, there's hurt from the pastors, first ladies, ushers, elders, associate pastors, on up. There's hurt. We, you and I, have a responsibility as true Christians, emphasis on the word true, to minister to these folks, and they minister likewise to us. If I had the opportunity to go in and talk to you individually, I'm sure that everyone in here can say, yeah, this is my struggle. And I know it. I know there's a struggle. Nobody in this room lives in a bed of roses. Nobody. I could say, you know, my brother here is struggling physically. My sister struggling psychologically, spiritually. My brother suffering because of things that are going on. My, my brother, sister is struggling because of uh, disobedient children. My sister is struggling because she has friends that she can't trust. My brother is struggling because there's family issues that he can't do anything about. My sister is struggling because she's gone through some physical things and only the Lord can straighten it out. My brother is struggling because he's in an environment where his hands are tied. He, doesn't really, he really has no voice or no hands in the situation. But he trusts the Lord. Let's trust him, folks. Keep on trusting. Never, ever stop believing. Verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Um, just as Jesus maintained that his obedience to the Father was the basis of his joy, so also the believers who are obedient to his commandments will experience the same joy. Joy is often uh, well, first of all, in the, word, in the word of God, joy is an attribute of deity. I can't help you to obtain joy. You can't help you to obtain joy. It's a thing of deity. The word that we're more familiar with is happiness. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain to you. Hopefully, you're, you're hearing this. Happiness and joy is a huge gap about this big between the two. This big, exactly this big. Joy, happiness. Joy is often equated with happiness, but the two are vastly different. Happiness depends mostly on good health, pleasant surroundings, positive fellowship, good financial position, and even good food and drink, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We can create happiness in our lives. You and I can create happiness by surrounding ourselves with a thing. yeah I'm happy, you know got a car that starts most of the time, you know a house where all the doors don't squeak, um, a family that loves me every other day that's happiness that can be happiness uh, happiness. Uh, happiness and unhappiness do, do exist together, but joy and sorrow can't. And I'm just going to give you two examples of, of, of why I know this is true that joy and sorrow. Uh, it says in, in uh, Isaiah 53:3, Our Lord was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And in uh, Hebrews 12:2, it says, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So happiness and joy don't exist. Happiness happiness and unhappiness and happiness do exist together, but joy and sorrow can't. They don't. They don't. So understand the difference. I, can, I can't generate joy. Joy is from a deity. I can generate happiness for me. I know what makes me happy, or at least I think I do. But... The downside to that is usually it's just for a season. Joy will come in the morning, as the verse says, but happiness, happiness. I'm happy. I'm happy the kids are behaving. You know, I just got a bonus from my company. I'm rolling. You know, and I got all these things going for me now, so I'm happy. Are you joyful? Well, that's another story. It is another story because that comes from the Lord. If you're serving him, honoring him, exalting him, then he would impute that joy into your life. He will. I have proof. Happiness uh, is, is one of those things that we talk about. Truly happy. Are the things that made you happy last week? Can they make you happy this week? And that tells you right there that happiness is failing or fleeting. It's gone. Joy, joy stays, joy sticks there. It's it's just that, you know, when we, uh, I'll give you a really, really crazy example. uh, And I know a lot of you can relate to it. Happiness is fast food. Happiness is a burger from McDonald's. Burger King, wherever, or a fish sandwich from Arby's. That's happiness. It's there, it fills you, and then it's gone. Joy is, and I won't go into it because there might be a vegan in the room. I'm not, just in case you're wondering, you know. But certain things that you like, I mean, you, this this is that 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 thing that sticks to your ribs, as they say. That's joy. It's solid, man. It stays there. It's going to be there for a while. You know that. That's what it's like. That's one of the craziest analogies that I can think of. But it's fast food and, and, and the, the, the good stuff. A lady tonight was talking about a little mac and cheese. You know, I know a lot of us are fond of that particular dish. And the stuff that just sticks there, man, this is going to hold me. I'm going to eat and then I'm, I'm good till tomorrow. You know, those types of things. That's what it's like. This is my commandment that you love one another as love you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. As Christians, as someone who's part of a faith system, we say that. Do you mean it? If someone were to walk in here right now, says, All right, everybody, against the wall. I'm going to clear this place out. Who would approach that gunman? Which one of you? That's what I thought. The point is, you say you would lay down your life for your sisters and your brothers. Will you? And I, I, you know, for those of us who have kids, young, young children, or, yeah, young children, we would be willing to do that. Would you be willing to do that for this body? If you were a true, true follower of Christ, it wouldn't really matter. It wouldn't matter. The circumstances wouldn't matter. The people that you're protecting wouldn't matter. I'm willing to lay down my life for my sisters and my brothers. Would you do that? That's what Christ calls us to do. Did did you ever hear that it's easy being a Christian? Have any of you ever heard this? That is easy. Oh, it a Christian, piece of cake. Anybody can do it. Not true. It's tough, it's difficult, it's a challenge. It's simple, but complex. Only because we make it that way. But if we follow the gospel, true and simple, if we follow the, the two commandments, just two, that's all. That's all I'm asking. Follow these two, can we do it? Do you love God with all your strength, all your might? All oh, your mind? Sometimes. That's a no. Do you love your neighbor as yourself? I love most people. That's a no. Follow my commandments. That's what he's asking us to do. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Are you his friends? Am I his friends? I like to think so, but when it comes down to the, the, where the, the rubber meets the road, I'm not going to go away. I'm not going to walk away. I'm not going to turn away. I, I pray. But am I a true friend? Am I willing to sacrifice the things that I think are good? Am I, am I willing to sacrifice the good things of this life to follow Christ? Are you? Are you ready, are you willing, are you able to sacrifice all to be in his kingdom? Do you long for that day when he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant? I know you do. But the challenge is to live that way every single day. To reach out to the unreachable. To ask do you need prayer? And again, one of the things that I see personally is that we think that these men or women that are truly ingrained in the gospel—they don't need it. They do. They need it, folks. And we see the ones in our body—you know, people my age in the nineties—you know—we see that, and, and we think that they're okay. They're good. They're not good. A pastor, oh, yeah, he's a man of God. I see uh, our associate pastor. Yeah, they're people of God. They're, they're good. No, they're not good. There's none good. They need the prayer. How many of us have taken the opportunity to pray with our leadership? How many of us have said, hey, Pastor Rob, Pastor Dave, you guys look like you're going to use a little prayer. Oh, no, no, brother, I'm, I'm fine. No No problem. Not true, guys. They need it. How about the the ladies in the body? Marianne. How about Kathy? And I'm not putting them on a, on a pedestal. It's just that these are the people that we just, they're okay. They're fine. They don't really need it. They need it. I need it. Hey, Richard, can I pray with you? Absolutely. If I say no, smack me right here because it's a lie. I need it. I need thee every hour as the song says. I do. And I'm not saying, "Oh, just come up and just pray with me." That's okay. It's okay, but I just want us to be aware of this. We need it. We need it. The 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 men and women that are worshiping. Sometimes that can be a hassle. I've got kids at home. I've got a job. And I got to prepare these songs so I don't want to get up there and get halfway through the song and not remember the words. They need prayer. Anybody that you see needs prayer. Anybody. I don't care. Well, I've been knowing them long enough, and, and, and they were all prayed up, so they, they don't need mine. Yes, they do. Yes, we do. We need it. No longer do I call you servants for a servant, verse 15. No longer do I call you servants for a servant, for a, ma- a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. No secrets. God doesn't hold back. If he, he knows that you need to know, he's going to let you know. But you have to be open to the Spirit. You need to be open to uh, what he's saying to you. You need to be able to recognize that still, small voice. He's not going to scream at you. He's going to give you warnings, and he's going to give you wisdom and discernment to know what to do, when to do, what not to do. He's going to give you that. But you've got to listen. You've got to listen, and that's part of our problem. We have a world today that's so loud and so busy, so much is going on, they're vying for our attention, and there's the, the the beings that don't want us to listen. They don't want us to hear. We're so busy, so much going on. We're so distracted until we don't hear Him. We need to hear Him. We need to settle our hearts every day. Lord, what would You have for me? Those of us who are struggling now with things, put that pride aside. Sister, brother, I just need some prayer tonight. I need to hear from the Lord, and right now I'm struggling. I can't get past the tears. I can't get past the pain enough to pray. Would you pray for me? Would you pray with me? Well, I can't right now, but I'll pray for you when I get home. That's not the answer. That's not the heart of the Lord. When he was passing through and the lady touched the hem of his garment, who touched me? Oh, this lady. Okay, I have to pray to her when, I pray for her when we uh, cross the Jordan. He didn't do that. David, Jonah, Moses, on and on, Isaiah, the prayers were going up all the time. No exceptions. Ruth, Esther, Ezekiel, prayers going up all the time. Never stop. That's where we want to be. That's why I encourage you and me to be. Stop being secret agents. Stop holding out. Stop holding back. Step up and step out. That's what the Lord calls us for. That's what he calls us to. It's not easy. I told you earlier, Christianity is not easy. It isn't. But the more that we learn of him, the more that we learn his heart, the more we learn how he does things and didn't do things, and the more we attempt to imitate him, the better off we're gonna be. Just as Abraham was called a friend of God because he enjoyed extraordinary access to the mind of God through God's salvation to him when he believed. Those who follow Christ are privileged with extraordinary revelation through the Messiah and Son of God and believing becomes friends of God also. How do you become friend of God? Just believe. And the word says, only believe. Only believe. Sounds pretty simple. Only believe. Well, why don't we? Why don't we? Because the flesh wants to rule every part of our lives. It wants to. And I pray for those of us who are allowing it to happen. Jesus doesn't allow. Jesus causes. Well, God allowed this to come into my life. He causes that. He knows what's best for you. He knows what's best for me. And he causes that to happen. Don't give the enemy credit. The enemy of ours is powerless, toothless. He cannot do anything without God's consent. Well, the enemy is really attacking me because you're letting the enemy attack you. you you're giving in. You've caved in. Well, I, I hate to, to go to work and, and I'm, my friends see me praying because they're going to make fun of me. Then stop calling them friends. This is not your friends. You've got friends like Job had. Be bold. Stand up for what you believe in. Be bold, stand up for who you believe in. Stand up, be bold for who you are. That's what the Lord is calling us to do. That's what he's calling us to be. You and me and everybody that we know. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Those who follow Christ are privileged with extraordinary revelation from Messiah. As I said, believing becomes God. It was his friends that the Lord laid down his life. Who did he lay his life down for? His friends. So what does that say? We are his friends. He laid down his life for each and every one of us. None of us can deny that. It wasn't for me because I was sinless. You can't say that. Not with a sincere heart. I call you friend because I was willing to die for you. You and you alone. And that's why we're here. That's why we're here tonight, because we believe that. But we've got to go beyond that. We have to go beyond that. We've got to go beyond just listening and not doing anything about it. His word says, not just hearers of the word, but doers also. That's what he wants from us. Verse 16. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that, you should, and that you, your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Whatever you ask the Father in my name. God's choice. God's choice. If it, his, if it is his will, he's going to grant that in his name. Lord willing, I will do this. Lord willing, I won't do that. Lord willing, I'll go here. Lord willing, I won't go there. I won't allow my thought life to keep me captive. I won't allow my dislike for an individual in the body to cause me not to worship God sincerely. I will not allow that. I will not allow Someone to rent space in my head. Not gonna allow it. Nope. No vacancy. Well, sort of, but that's another story. Um, God elected believers to salvation apart from any merit. You didn't earn that. You didn't earn the right for him to die for you. You didn't earn it. Well. I'm a pretty good person cuz I've never really broken any commandments. Lie straight from hell. Haven't you? Well, I've never really murdered anybody. What about the person that you say doesn't like you and that you would really really I'm going to do everything you can to stay away from them. So you so in a sense you put them away. If you thought it You've done it in God's heart. What about the fact that I've never robbed anybody? Haven't you? Have you even robbed God? Well, of course not. I tithe most of the time. It's not a legal issue here, folks. But it's just that these are the things that we say and not realize what we're saying. What about that sister that you saw crying in the back seat corner of the church and you just walk right past her? What about that brother who you see him every week and, and, and he's, he's cheerful, he's, he's spirited, and now his continence has changed drastically. Now he's sitting there with his head down. You walk past him said about? Is that what the God that we claim to love, is that what he would do? One purpose of God's sovereign election is that the disciples who have been blessed with such revelation and understanding should produce spiritual fruit. Should. If we believe in him, if we trust him, we're dedicated to him then we would produce spiritual fruit The, the New Testament describes fruit as godly attitudes righteous behavior praise and especially leading others to faith in Jesus as Messiah and son of God that's what it is that's how the New Testament describes fruit fruit of the spirit it's ninefold but that love, that love just encompasses it all. Because if we love Jesus, if we love one another, then the eight fruit of the Spirit, nothing to it. Verse 17, these things I command that you love one another. Can you? Will you? Will you love one another? Would you stop and even ask, sister, are you okay? Would you stop and even ask, brother, are you okay? Would you even stop and ask, pastor, associate pastor, first lady, can I pray with you? Will you? Here's the problem, because you heard this, maybe some of you would do it for that week, for that one time. Remember what I said earlier? It's continuous. Love is an action word, folks. On, off, on, off, depending on how I feel. It's not emotional. It's not mystical. It's real. We need to be about our Father's business. As I said, in these 17 verses, the word love, or loved, appears nine times. Our Lord, our Savior, is trying to get a message through. Didn't just happen that way. Every word in this book has tremendous meaning. Nothing's in there just to fill in the space. So, the fact that he mentioned that nine times, or it could have been 18 times, it's irrelevant. He wants us to understand. Understand what love is. Know his heart. Know his mind. Know his will. Know his way. And live it. Now, I know we have some people in this room who are dedicated to to the Lord. I know that. There's no question about it. Let it come out. Let him see a heart that's willingly sold out. Lord, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to increase your kingdom. No matter what. No matter what it costs me. It means I got to change my habit. It means that I may not be able to sit at the table with my friends in the fellowship hall every week. I'm going to look around. I'm going to keep my eye open for someone that I don't even know that I've never seen before. I'm going to keep my eye open for that brother who's struggling. I'm going to keep my eye open for that sister who's definitely having heart problems right now. I'm going to offer up prayer. I'm going to offer up fellowship. I'm going to encourage them as only I can through the Holy Spirit. That's what he wants. Will you? The word is not can you because uh, from what I read, it says, that with God, all things are possible. Now, whether some of you believe that or not, that's up to you. But I do. With God, all things are possible. So you can break out of that mold. This is, this is just who I am. I just mind my own business. Well, is this really about your business? Or is this about your father's business? you decide. Heavenly Father, we just give thanks uh, for for what you've done here tonight, Father. And I just pray for my sisters and brothers, Father. I pray that if anyone here who does not know you as a Lord and Savior, that tonight would, would be the night of salvation. Father, I just pray that they were able to see through this vessel that you're using and to be able to hear what you have to say to them, to us. And Father, it's each and every one of us, Father. None of us have it together. We've all got issues. We've all got problems. We've all got things that cause us to be heavy laden. And I know you have a better plan than ours, Father. So I pray that uh, even now that hearts will be changed, Father. Just, Just dish out the heart transplants that are necessary in this room tonight and change hearts so that we can be better. We can serve you better. We can love you better. We can love you more. Our hearts will be enlarged to receive how oh, you just want to continue to pour out a blessing on us that we don't have enough room to receive. I just thank you for all that you're doing. But I know you want to do so much more. So I pray that, uh, Father, if use us up, Father, starting with me. Make me a true man of God. Father, I have so far to go. Not what I was, but I'm still not what I can be. So I pray, Father, that you would start with me. Uh, Cause me to love on my sisters and brothers more. Cause me to be more prayerful for them, to them, with them. Cause me to just pour out my heart every opportunity that you give, Father, and never take anything for granted, not even my next breath. I pray for traveling mercies as we go out back to our homes. And I just pray that your word came through loud and clear, Father. And if if I've said anything, Father, that you didn't put on my heart, that caused either my sisters or my brothers to stumble, I pray that you would erase it from my minds right now. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit, your mercy, your grace. May you receive the glory in everything in our lives from this day forward and forevermore. In the name of Jesus, our soon returning king, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming out.